Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me for our first proper preview podcast of 2024 is my good mate, 60s. Big fella, it's only two games that we're previewing this week, but I've got to say I'm excited for both of them. Yeah, and we only have to get into our instant reaction podcast to be back to our tri-weekly tip sheet podcasts that we have happening through the season. Really looking forward to it, John. And as always, when we're doing preview podcasts, it's that anticipation of the games. Mm. So plenty to talk about, I think, today. And before we get there, as always, a quick shout out to the sponsors of the tip sheet, Big Swing Golf, North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, or Star Partners Real Estate, sorry, Auburn Rowan and Parramatta doing fantastic things for the show. All right, mate, let's jump right in. We've got the two games to preview this week, one in the junior reps and obviously the NRL trial against the Canberra Raiders. Bit of an odd round for the junior reps with uh, three teams off in that split sort of setup. Uh, no Lisa Fiola, no Tasha Gale, no Harold Matthews leaving the SG ball on their lonesome with their home game against the what's the Balmain Tigers in this grade. I was about to say the West Tigers, but it's the Balmain Tigers with the old Tiger logo. Uh, they're hosting them early, 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, the SG Ball boys wouldn't be used to that. They're usually playing in the afternoon. Uh, but they'll be at Eric Tweedale, 10 o'clock a.m. on Saturday the 17th of February. Um, and they'll be also part of a, a triplet of games, including a couple of trials in the flag and the New South Wales Cup, we believe. Uh, although how functional the Cup team's going to be would be very interesting, given that there's a lot of the core New South Wales Cup players to be named in the NRL team list. So we'll get there in a little bit, though. But looking at this team, 60s don't look like there's any significant changes, if any, from the team that prevailed over the Cronulla Sharks and the New Zealand Warriors in the previous two games. At fullback, it's Junior Fangalele on the wings. Uh, Mo Alamadine, Mohamed Alamadine there with Don Farouge on the other flank. A pair of good flankers. Uh, Dakota Kakoi and Devontae Vivella are in the centres. In the halves, it's Lorenzo Talatina and Dylan Brettle. Front row, Bo Lucian and Seb Piacala. Jai Camilleri is at dummy half. In the back row, Josiah Funa Ayuda and Tyrese Lakenny. Max Popo is a lock forward. On the interchange, some big units, Mark Williams, Lawson Moffat, Javan Stevenson Hala, and Isaiah Murphy. Got two players on the extended bench. Tyson Sanglang, who was 18th man in the first two games, as well as Corey Lay, who comes in as uh, Jersey 22, although he's a 19th man. They're taking on the Balmain Tigers, or West Tigers, however you want to call them in that joint venture status. I'll quickly just have a gander at the SG Ball ladder before we get into the actual preamble. Uh, so in the SG ball, the Tigers, uh, zero wins from two starts. So not doing too flash there. Let's see who they've pulled in the first two games. Uh, where are we? Get to the SG ball. And then there are the Tigers. So they played the Cronulla Sharks, lost 44-18. to 18, And they played the Sydney Roosters last week, uh, lost 13-12. to 12. So one mutual opponent there in terms of who the two teams have played. And you don't, you can't really factor that in as a proof that the Eels are going to win. We know that when you do that sort of game, uh, it leads to some really weird uh, circles of uh, victory. But at this point, the Eels 2-0, the Tigers 0-2. Uh, you think the Eels will go into this game as firm favourites, but that means they've got to stick to their guns and uh, you know not shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and we've had the team come back from behind in their first two matches, fell behind early to mid part of the second half, finished strongly. 
I think that's a good sign of the character of the team. Uh, just uh, as, a, as an aside, mate, you mentioned about the New Zealand Warriors who the Eels played in the first round. And we spoke about that the win that the Eels had against the Warriors was quite a solid win because right. the Warriors looked like they had a bit of promise. Well, Guess what the Warriors they did, won, yeah. <laughs> they won the, the, their next match. So They didn't just win. They dusted up the Bears 48-12. to 12. Yes. So it's not a surprise because I thought to myself, these this team's going to be a handy team in both the mats and the ball, the New Zealand Warriors. I think it's only just a matter of them starting to get used to playing at this standard of junior representative football because there's no doubting the uh, skills and ability of the players that are in that team. They shone in, I guess you'd say, patches or for periods of play in that first round. And as I said, it was a very uh, meritorious win from the Eels SG ball team, uh, let alone the Mats team as well. But the SG ball team who we're talking about today, a very meritorious victory to come back against the Warriors. It was a very physical game too. That that has to be said. Very tough. Yeah. Um. So this week, uh, Balmain, as you said, it's a little hard to draw a form line. I guess when they've only gone down by a field goal to the Roosters, on the surface, you'd say they've lifted on their first round match where they copped a bit of a shellacking from the Sharks. If you wanted to draw a form line there, and given that the Eels had just beaten the Sharks, you'd you'd go for an Eels win. But as you said, it's fraught with danger once you start trying to draw comparisons between relative opponents yeah yeah Yeah. it's especially at at the uh, junior representative level because the players can be on and off in terms of their performance uh, without seeing the players that are available for those teams it's also hard to draw a line we don't know too much about the Balmain Tigers at all to be fair so as you said, yeah, they really have to play the team on their merit and uh, just, I guess, focus on themselves. Now, of course, the thing is, is that the coaches have access to the video of uh, opponents via uh, an app called Huddle, which allows them to look at the form of uh, all of their opponents. You'll When they prepare for the matches, it's very much like an NRL preparation where there's video cut-ups that are done highlighting the players that they need to spot uh, what they can expect from the opposition it's uh, we've been fortunate that we've been able to sit through some um, video reviews mm-hmm. of matches previews of matches so it's uh, it's not really that f- dissimilar at all to NRL, maybe just a little less complex, but they would have done their research as they needed to. Who are you most looking forward to watching in this particular week in the SG ball team? I mean, I mentioned in the team list that the two flankers, the two wingers in Alan Medine and Ferruja, uh, I think are both good prospects. Um, Mo is very tough, uh, he made that transition from fullback in the Harold Mats to winger in the SG ball and has handled it really, really well. Uh, he runs hard, physical, always puts his hand up for the tough work, and he's got a good knack for finishing. 
um, you know, a good cutback against a sliding defense and has a pretty solid all-round game. Dom, we know, is you know, he runs like the wind, big athletic kid. Uh, he's young in this grade, got another year to go, but, you know, he kicks the ball as good as anyone I've seen coming through the grades. He, he has got a thunderous boot as well as being accurate. Um, so those two boys do a good job on the flanks. And the other player, I think, that uh, has caught my eye, and he's a senior player in the squad coming back for his second year, but I think he's really the anchor of the forward pack now. It's uh, Seb Piakala. He's uh, had a really good start to 2024. You know, big physical, got a good offload, uh, good work rate. And I, I think in, given who they've lost in the forward pack from the team that won the premiership last year, and you think about uh, Sam Tuovati's not there, Saxon Pryke, Charlie Geimer, uh, there's a, you know, a whole group of really talented forwards that are gone. I think Seb's done a good job stepping into that void and helping lead a young forward pack. Absolutely true. And they've got a bit of strike in the edge back rowers, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jez, uh, Josiah Finarita was he's in his junior year of vegetable eligibility. He was outstanding in the mats last year. Tyrese Lakenny, we didn't actually have available in 2023 due to uh, school commitments, I believe, with sports. So it's good to have him back in the fold. They're both, you know, like classic modern back rowers, aren't they? Uh, big, athletic, can rumble with the ball in hand, got a nice offload and pass. Uh, by. From what I've seen in the first two weeks, and we know for both of them they're very talented, it's just a case of just getting settled on the outside of Talatina and Brettel respectively and just getting that combination and the timings ironed out. And once that happens, once they're really in sync with their two halves, I think they're going to be uh, real dominant presences on the edge. Yeah, and I think it's a measure of the pack that Tyson Sengeleng can't force yeah. his way into the starting Agreed. lineup or even onto the bench because he's... Uh, a talented player in his own right, and uh, he hasn't been able to get any minutes as yet in this competition. So, be interested to see the how this pack continues to develop. We're in that fortunate position where, because there's so many players that would still be SG ball eligible and they've been elevated through the grades, it's opened up spots for more young players to show their wares in SG ball this year. If they were playing some of these players that are still age eligible back in SG ball, we wouldn't be getting to see the likes of these players that are running around in the SG ball. Yeah. It's, this a, it's an, such an important development philosophy, isn't it? Uh, prioritizing winning in the sort of correct, I say correct in inverted commas, uh, age for grade versus getting you know, your talented players up, playing against more senior competition, fast-tracking the development, and like you mentioned in the podcast last week, opening up doors for more kids to come into the programs to replace them. And that's how you... You're, we always talk about how junior development, talent identification, while there is science behind it, it is still in some regards a lottery, right? Because there are so many things yeah. that go into it, on the field, off the field, uh, character makeup, just bad luck. You know, they're just good luck, bad luck, all that sort of stuff. So it's a lottery and you want to have as many tickets as possible. And therefore, when you have these kids accelerate and have more kids in the program coming through to replace them, you've got more chances at finding not just first grader, but maybe a star, maybe a plus first grader, uh, you know. So, yeah, it's good to see that happening. It's good to see the Eels committed to the philosophy, not just, you know, doing it for one group and then sort of going back and saying, oh, now let's go back to winning a premiership in this grade. So, yeah, big fan well, of Well, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you that. That was the... the question you, you you've probably given me your answer there but what do you believe is the correct philosophy with 
junior representative teams, is it the development of future first grade talent? Is it the winning of titles? Because as you just pointed out, if the Eels wanted to win an SG ball title, that would be easy enough this season. They'd be able to back up a large number of players from last year. So where where does your head sit at with that 40? Yeah, I, I will be on the side of prioritising player development for the NRL as opposed to winning junior titles. And we've been part, uh, I say we've been part, we've been party to the Eels winning several SG ball titles in recent seasons, 60s, what, 2018, and then obviously last year, 2023, um, and going deep into other campaigns in both the Mats and the SG ball, as well as the Jersey Fleck. We had the 2017, the last iteration of the NYC, where the Eels just went down the Manly in the last minute of the game. Uh, and then also 2014, when uh, that was Ryan Madison's class, they went to the grand final qualifier. So we've had you know some some junior programs running deep into the finals, and it's always a great ride. It's always fun. You know, you're living through uh, a group of young kids playing out a dream. For a lot of them, they're not going to go further. But for the ones that do go further, obviously, it's just a stepping stone. And that's why I think as, as nice as it is to be privy to that and be part of that in some way as a fan, you always want to prioritise NRL development, especially given how the, the game has developed and how aggressive player managers are in getting their players into a different environment if the door opens there. Uh, so you need to have these guys fast-tracked. And it's not even saying fast-tracked. You just need to have them NRL-ready faster than they, they used to. And yeah, yep. sometimes the, the two worlds were aligned. We saw last year uh, we had a young SG ball team um, that was full of first-year players uh, that won the title, went up to the Jersey flag and went to you know a game or two of him winning that, game, uh, that title. And they absolutely had the talent to win. They just yeah, couldn't quite put together against the Roosters a game short of the big dance. So... Yeah, the, when, you, when, you, when you are aggressive in your development philosophies like that, and not recklessly aggressive, but just the proper kind of aggressive, you know, controlled, focused, disciplined, I think the, the alignment of those two goals will happen more than you think. Yeah, yeah. I, for mine, I always regard winning the titles as a bit of the cherry on top scenario. Mm-hmm. If you get the, the two aligning, as you spoke about just then, that's absolutely brilliant. But what we want to see is developing players that will fill the future needs of the club. And sometimes those future needs might only be a year down the track. Sometimes they might be three or four years down the track. But if you're producing local products that will be future NRL stars, then that really fits that mantra of a development club that you're meeting as many of your own needs as possible without having to source externally. Now, you're always going to source externally to a certain extent because you're going to be keeping your eyes out on the best young talent that's coming through. And if you've got the option that you can pick up someone, especially if there's no one in the local competition who is going to fill the need for a certain position and there might be someone who's outstanding yep. available that you can pick up from uh, from interstate from the bush even from New Zealand I mean, Dylan Brown being a case in point in terms of being able to identify him over in New Zealand then bring him into our pathway system and actually develop 
him ourselves, and I, look, I guess that's not too different really to what the Roosters do because they, they would be doing that with a large number of their players, having to identify them from elsewhere when they haven't got a huge junior rugby league. Uh, I'm, literally, we've got the Bulldogs doing that now because they don't have a huge local mm-hmm. junior rugby league either. I think they might have 10 to 12 clubs, something like that. Exactly. Um, and and, and, I, and I think from memory, they've only got one team that um, has a girls uh, team in the uh, teenage Yeah, which years. is like, why they've been well, very aggressive in their recruitment for the Fiola and Tashigao. Yeah, which is, that, that's how it works. Like, that's not a shot at the Bulldogs. That is just a function of the player market in the juniors. Um, yeah. And yeah, you make a good point. That process is important because obviously you want to be developing superstars as much as you can, but... Just having a, a, a lifeblood of good, solid first grade prospects is very—it's uh, of vital strategic importance because that's how you keep your that roster churn ticking over and allows you, in terms of your external recruitment at the NRL, instead of being, you know, desperately trying to fill holes in multiple positions, you might have a batch of good middle forwards, but be short of a good edge prospect, which means you can then focus your NRL recruitment. You can funnel your resources into that one position instead of across two or three. So that's why yep. it's that's why it's important. I mean, that's just you know one on one in terms of development and recruitment. And the Eels, I think, in recent years have done a, a good job transitioning uh, towards a, a good long term system. And we're we're on the cusp of reaping the benefits of this group of kids. We're going to talk about shortly in the uh, NRL trial preview, uh, where there's you know sort of eight, nine, ten prospects. I think that uh, are in good contention of being NRL NRL plus players. And just we, before we wrap up the SG Ball preview, and we will get back to it because we've had a little bit of a discourse about pathway systems as a whole, but I just wanted to add that when you've got a system where you have a large group of players that are coming through, it's to the point where it's maybe a little bit of a production line, but then you've got some long-term incumbents in first grade in particular positions. So the likes of Gutherson and Moses, okay, they're getting on a little bit, but they're long-term incumbents. They've still got a few years to go on their deals. Dylan Brown and Will Penasini are both young players. Uh, Dylan's on a longish-term deal. I know it's sort of in three-year increments, but he could theoretically be there for the next nine years. Then you've got... uh, uh, as I said, Will Penasini, very young himself still. He's looked as a long-term prospect. You've got the front rowers that have been there for a while in in Reg and Junior. And sometimes those pathways players might look and think, you know, my path through to first grade is a little bit blocked. And even more importantly, their managers might look at that and think that. So you're going to get some losses of players. Now, we know, we've talked about it in the past, that there's been some instances where we've thought that Parramatta could have done better to hang on to particular players. Then there are other players, there's nothing you can do. Like, there really would be nothing you could do to hang on to them because they might see and they might be offered a chance to go straight into a top 30 or or have... The top 30 mapped out really clearly with their ascendancy to a top grade spot, maybe uh, looking as it might be far easier for them at another club than uh, at the Eels. So you're going to get some players that leave. 
some like there's even one more recently that's been there for uh, the uh, West Magpies. It's copped a bit of uh, media attention there. Uh, it's not always the case that the Eels have done the wrong thing. It, it's a, a case of opportunity might be a bit clearer elsewhere. And the job of the managers is to maybe get them those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always work out, does it? Because sometimes there are players who go to another club at a young age and it doesn't work out for them. And they either come back to the Eels or they go off and they're off at another club soon after. Uh, we've seen that in, in recent years with uh, Michael Jabril off to the Bulldogs. And no sooner is he over there than he's been picked up by the Sharks. Mm-hmm. And he's back playing SG ball now. I'm sure Michael, if he was at the Eels, he would have been part of this. Given what we've seen this preseason, he'd be part of it and probably playing uh, flag or cup, you'd think, based on what we've seen. He he might have been playing in this NRL trial on the weekend. Who knows? I mean, there's plenty of his peers that are playing in that game. So I guess we'll, we'll see in the long term how it works out at the Sharks. But as I said, he's not been the first that's uh, looked to uh, other clubs because their managers or even themselves, they might see the opportunities there elsewhere. Anyway, mate, just uh, let's get into Yeah, put the a cap on round three. Ball. Exactly. Yep. Eels versus Tigers. How do we see this one playing out? You'd ha- I, even though it's fraught with danger to look at a form line, I'd have to think that the Eels will have too much firepower for the Balmain Tigers I'm going to tip the Eels to win by about 10 points with the caveat that uh, there is still an element of unknown about the Balmain Tigers. I just like the character that's in this Eels team. They find a way to win rather than find a way to lose. And what can you say about that? It's it's what you, you'd hope teams could have at their, at their core is is battling to get the win all the way through the game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll give, them, I'll give them a tick for the win this week. What about you, mate? Yeah, I, I sort of had them pigeonholed in, in the win slot with an 8-12 point margin. Um, it wouldn't be bad if I could put on a few points, though, uh, get that four and against boosted because we know in the, the junior reps and the mats, the ball, and obviously now the gale and the fiola, that four and against can be pretty crucial when it comes to seating at the very top of the ladder. And uh, the games where you can dust up your opponent, they are pretty critical in that regard. So while I'm tipping a, a more modest win, I would like to see the boys maybe pile on the points they can this week. Yeah, and a real big shout-out to Muhammad Alamadeen, that break that he made out of yardage last week to set up the try for Dylan Brettel. That that was a, a powerful carry to break out into open field when he's, Actually, he's just taken a yardage he, um, carry. He did, that against, right. he did that against the Magpies last year in the finals, I'm pretty certain. Correct, he, correct. Uh, sparked a big try, ended up with Arpa Tweedle, I think, uh, with the rest of the spine getting involved as well. So, yeah, he's got a knack for that, which is good to see. That's the uh, the old fullback in him. Uh, but that yes. brings us to the main event this week in the preview podcast, the one that I imagine most people will be tuning in for as the Eels name their first trial list in the NRL for the 2024 season and preseason. Uh, we mentioned it in our news podcast. We had a quick look at it back then, 60s with Clint. And uh, we all noted how excited we were with the composite blend of senior NRL players in Ryan Madison, Sean Lane, alongside the manly duo of Tulangi and Harper. Alongside, uh, there's two starting, but in the extended roster, you know, sort of, I think it's about eight or nine of those uh, young kids that have been lighting up the preseason. 
So uh, we'll get to the Eels shortly. Let's start with the Raiders, though. Uh, the away team in this fixture, even though the Eels are playing out of Cogra as part of that doubleheader in the Charity Shield. Uh, the Raiders have named, I think it's a pretty solid team list for the first trial, probably more along the lines of the team list that you're used to in week one of the preseason uh, with the Challenge Cup now, or whatever it's called. Is it Challenge Shield, Challenge Cup? Uh, but uh, most teams used to name this week a lineup, but I've noticed in 2024, the first week of trials, have seen a, a noted uptick and upshift in the strength of roster announced. So uh, the Eels are more in line for what the rest of the NRL seem to be doing, whereas the Raiders are taking a little bit easier. But they start at fullback with the talented young player Chevy Stewart. On the flanks, it's Nick Kotrick and Xavier Savage. James Schiller and Albert Hoppawide are in the centres. 5'8 is K.O. Weeks, who comes then by way of Newcastle, I believe. I think it was Manly, Newcastle and then Canberra. Uh, Ethan Strange, another very talented young player who played alongside Ethan Sanders in the New South Wales 19s, is in the halfback slot. In the front row, you've got Emre Gawler, Pasami Salor, then Zach Wolford, a dummy half, Mike, uh, Mitchell, not Michael, Mitchell Spencer, and Simi Sasangi are in the back row. Ata Mariota is the lock forward. On the interchange, it's the dynamic Tom Starley, Tom Starling, Princeton Asira, Utaloa Asamua, Jed Stewart, uh, extended roster, Danny Levi, legendary Parramatta Eels killer, Adam Cook, Peter Holler, Mitch Henderson, Peter Tartillo, there's a former Parramatta Eel right there, had one year at the Panthers and moved on to the Raiders. Noah Martin, and then Logan Lewis. So 60s, I mean, we, having watched a lot of the reps, names like Stewart jump out immediately. He was a very talented Cronulla Sharks prospect. Made the jump to the Raiders, I think, two years ago um, and has been uh, electric at the back for them. Uh, alongside that, obviously, play fans in general are familiar with Kotrick, Hopwade, Savage. They've been in the NRL for the Raiders. Ethan Strange was very good in that New South Wales game uh, where Ethan Strange, Ethan Sanders, and Ethan Ferguson all had monster efforts for New South Wales as they piled on the points against Queensland. Uh, but yeah, it's a, there's a lot of talent in this Raiders team, but it's definitely lacking an NRL experience compared to what the Eels have named. Yeah, it it does. Uh, interestingly, Chevy Stewart played in that SG Ball qualifying final. Yeah, he went from New South Wales Cup and came back. We thought he might not be um, might not be playing because he wasn't named initially. But yeah, he came back down to play against the Eels and the Eels did an incredible job bottling up, uh, bottling him up in that particular game with a very strong kicking game and uh, diligent kick chase. Yes, absolutely. So I guess for the Raiders, they're looking to see how does Chevy Stewart go at this, I guess, this mid-level trial. You call it mid-level trial because of the fact that it's a combination of some NRL players with... New South Wales Cup and Jersey flag player, so it's maybe it's a little bit of a step up from his experience in New South Wales Cup, but it is a trial. Uh, still interesting to see how he he goes. Ko Weeks settling into his new club, and you mentioned Ethan Strange, a player on the rise. Interesting, they named him at halfback. Yeah, he's a player that's played pretty much across the back line. He's very talented, multi-positional, obviously. Uh, started in the centres in that Origin game, but also played in the halves. Uh, given that the Raiders obviously were the team that's been most strongly linked to Ethan Sanders, you'd think that maybe they'd be prepping Strange to play a different position, but I don't know. Well, uh, look, I guess it's maybe a case of... Maybe it's the same problem in reverse, isn't it? Strange wants yeah. to play halfback and doesn't want to be blocked. Yeah, yeah look, it could be that. It's, um, I guess we'll... When we see who the Raiders' name come round one, then maybe the picture becomes clearer, especially in terms of 
how they are looking to develop players in particular positions. But uh, you, you did mention that there's a little bit more first-grade experience in the Eels team. So let's have a bit of a run-through who the Eels have selected. Yep, uh, starting at fullback, one of the really exciting picks in this team was it's Blaze Talungi, who makes his transformation from 5'8 to centre to fullback. Hayes Dunster is back on the wing with Sean Russell on the other flank. No Mike Acevo. He's a notable omission alongside Will Penasini in the back line. Morgan Harper and Bowie Simonson are the two starting centres, and they're going to hash it out as who gets to start opposite Will Penasini in round one. This is the first of two legs in that battle, isn't it, 60s? Absolutely, yep. And then in the halves, no surprises, Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown, they're not taking part in this trial. They're obviously locked in for round one, which means Dejan Arcee will partner Ethan Sanders as they look to form up a combination that I imagine will be what we see in the New South Wales Cup for most of the year. In the front row, Kai Rodwell and Ofiki Ogden, They've been the week-in, uh, week-out week bookend starters in the Cup, so no surprise to see him starting here. Brendan Hands will be at dummy half to start this game, and I imagine that Matt Arthur will be working in relief for a good portion of the contest. In the back row, though, you've got three senior players here, two incumbent Eels and Sean Lane and Ryan Madison. Lane will be the captain for this contest. Kelma Talangi, new recruit, incredibly versatile. You've mentioned it in your preseason report, 60s, he starred in multiple positions. He gets the nod at starting back row here. And it's going to be interesting to see how this game translates for him because I think he's pretty much uh, an absolute guarantee for round one. He's not locked in a battle in terms of getting a spot in the top 17. What he is looking to do, though, is impress Brad Arthur for a starting berth and he gets his first shot this weekend. Well, we know that BI likes players who can play, or if they're a second row, that they have that capacity to play 80 minutes. The thing is, with Tuolangi, I think he's got an element... Of versatility, and, and I'm by the same token, so does Bryce Cartwright. And I think the decision that BA will be making will be out of Cartwright and to a lungy who's going to start in the run on team and who's going to start from the bench. So they both got some versatility. I think to a lungy is capable, he, he's almost like a replacement for Murata mm-hmm. Nicore. In, in a very strong way because he's got the capacity that he could play middle or edge. He also has the capacity to shift out to centre in a pinch. So just as Murata was able to fill in either when there was injury or if a player was replaced during a game and he had to be shifted temporarily, he could do that. And I think that's what they'd have with Tuolangi on the bench is uh, some backline coverage. So, And that will be interesting as well because if BA goes with four forwards once the season starts... Having two versatile pieces is important. Yeah. Correct, correct. And I'm not ruling out, even though BA indicated otherwise, I'm not ruling out that Brendan Hands is in the mix for a spot on the bench mm-hmm. because he also can cover dummy half, he can cover the halves, he can cover lock. So he, he's he got that versatility as well. And it might just mean that if there was, if he was on the bench and there was an injury, say, to an outside back, that you might see a small reshuffle of either Moses or Brown and uh, uh, Brendan Hands going into the halves. So that's something that BA would have up his sleeve. I just wanted to mention, because you spoke about it with 
the uh, battle between Harper and Simonson, I still couldn't make a call on that at all, even watching training today, and I'm not giving anything away here, but I thought they both had strong moments in training today. So it's really, really tough to try to decide which way that's likely to go. I think the trials will sort that out because watching BA give each of them an opportunity at training and in opposed sessions, it, it means that I don't think there's any clarity yet for an observer like me to be able to say he's going to go this way or he's going to go the other way. And I think the fact that they're both playing in this trial, it's, well, in Morgan Harper's case, I think that's an essential given that he's new to the club. But with playing uh, Simonson, uh, I think it, it is a case of BA saying, look, I haven't made my mind up on this mm-hmm. position. Now, the other two players that I wanted to mention were the wingers, Dunster and Russell. Now, we grabbed a couple of words with Sean at training today. And uh, Para through and through asked him what his playing weight is currently. And he said 98, 99 kgs. Now, he's he's getting into the realms of being a, a big human, Sean Russell. He, he's quite tall as a winger. Not super tall, but he, he is tall. He's well over six foot. And his frame is now that of a powerful athletic winger. The other thing that's interesting is, looking at the two of them, if Sean Russell is nudging 100 kgs, Hayes Dunster is well over it. Because Hayes is, uh, he's, he really has filled out his frame over the last couple of years. And it's not through, I don't think it's through being out uh, with a number of injuries, but I think it's a matter of he was already starting to fill out his frame when he was the rookie of the year a couple of years back. I think he Hayes is one to keep an eye on this year because the good thing will be if he can strike that form in New South Wales Cup and put pressure on the wings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm expecting Sean Russell to have a, a real breakout season this year for a start. But we know last year that uh, Micah didn't have his best year. There were some games where it, I think it's fair to say that, it, I mean, he'd look back on that himself yeah. and not be happy I, with I, his I, I agree. I think that was pretty universal cross fan sentiment. Although I will say that in the last couple of games, I don't know if something was said to him to fire him up, but he looked like vintage Micah to round out the 2023 season, including that game against Penrith. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I said there were some games there where that was the case. Now, he's not playing in this trial, Sivo, so the assumption is then made that he will be in the 17 come round one, uh, if we want to extrapolate that much. But I think it's healthy to have someone who is in form in uh, in positions, uh, well, he'd like it to be in every position, wouldn't you, in New South Wales Cup. But last year, Brad didn't really have any options, did he? No. If no. because Hayes was, you know, he had he hadn't really come back from injury. 
Um, he's then had the documentation. It, it's been documented about a blood disorder mm-hmm. last year that he's now overcome. So nothing went his way last year. It's good to see him looking as healthy as he does now, and he's had a really good preseason. So uh, that will be interesting to see how he goes. Ethan Sanders getting his opportunity in the NRL spotlight. I'm not going to go back over what's happening in the way of contracts for him because we just don't know. Yeah. But uh, he looked really good at training today. That, like he, he looked to be relishing having control of this team. So uh, that's I think I think there's going to be a lot of supporters keen to see how he goes because. He didn't get to play open age football last year, did he? It was all, you know, finished at Flegg. So we'd be pretty keen to see him in open age football. And uh, I guess we're going to see how well the preseason form of uh, Rodwell and Ogden stand up because I I thought that they both had quite strong preseasons. Rodwell looks the fittest that I've ever seen him. And watching Ogden in pre-season training, I would have said, okay, well, if someone's injured, I have no problem if BA brings Ogden up. Um, and really that battle for the forwards. I mean, look at who has to start on the bench Yeah, in this game. Exactly. Moretti, Greg, Dury, McIntyre. Yep. So it's a big, beefy bench full of NRL experience. And that takes us to the extended roster where there is a host of young talent that are looking to make a name for themselves in this season coming up, starting with Matty Arfa, you've got Tony Matelli, Joshua Lynn, Charlie Geimer, Dan Keir, Saxon Bright, Zach Sini, Isaac Lumi Lumi, and then the speeds to Ethan Martin. So fans would obviously know Lumi Lumi, Sini, uh, Keir is a name they would have seen in the New South Wales Cup last couple of years. But the rest of them, um, they're all rookies. It's a very exciting crop of kids here, and we're not saying that all of them are going to be graded by the Eels and all of them are going to go on to be NRL stars for the Blue and Gold. But this is a big class of talented prospects. You've got Talangi and Sanders starting in this game. You've got a whole bunch of them coming in off the bench. This is the start of a big journey for all these kids towards an NRL debut potentially this year. Yeah, and look, it's great that it's on television so that fans, not just the ones at the ground, but all Eels fans can have an opportunity at looking at some of these players. There are When it comes to young players... There are a lot of assumptions that supporters make. They base it on things that they hear from people. Uh, it might include some of the reports that we've written up about different players over the years. Not everyone has the opportunity or the inclination to watch junior rep football when it, it's live streamed on the uh, New South Wales Rugby League website. So, yeah, it's... And it's interesting that people can come up with criticisms of players or they can come up with high praise of players without necessarily seeing too much of them. What we can say is that all the players that have been in this preseason have earned their spot in the preseason. And I think the fairest thing is judge the players on what they are, how they are performing. Mm-hmm. And thus far, these young players have done a job for the Eels in either SG Ball or the Jersey Flag Cup. And as I said, they've earned their spot. And just sit back, watch, and hopefully just enjoy watching some of the younger talent coming through. 
they don't have to be rushed into first grade. You can enjoy their talent and realise that they're a player on the rise. There might be some that get their opportunity in, of the younger brigade that get their opportunity in NRL this season, depending on injury and circumstance. But there's no rush. If the majority of them aren't ready until next year or maybe for some the year after, so be it. And uh, But the good thing is you get the chance to see them. And people, if, they're, if these young players are getting the chance to play New South Wales Cup this year and you've got a New South Wales Cup curtain raiser at Comeback Stadium, get out there and support them. It's people, there's so many people that long for the old days of lower grade football being staged before the NRL game. Unfortunately, it doesn't always seem to, the numbers don't ever always seem to align. The number of people that want lower grade games compared to the people that are actually sitting in the stadium watching them, it never seems to match up because I, I think to myself, well, there must be thousands that want to come out and see it, judging on the comments that we read. And that doesn't happen when the games are staged. So I'd really encourage people to get out there, get behind the young players this year, and you can start off doing that this weekend at uh, Cogra. Yes, indeed. So how do you think this game's going to go, mate? Uh, Because I don't think we're going to see too much shown by either team. I think you're going to see the absolute basic shapes. You're not going to see anything expansive in terms of offensive looks, no. Um, it's going to be which team does better ruck work, which team's outside backs get involved through the middle. Uh, the dummy halves, I think, are always critical in these sort of games. Might be an opportunity for Matthew Arthur in that regard to sort of uh, scheme around the ruck. But, yeah, not looking for anything too expansive, looking for the Eels to primarily get over injury-free. That's always the big concern of trials. So no Complete, complete sets. Yeah, complete sets. I, I know it's so boring to say, but it, it's a rugby league fundamental for a reason. Get through their sets. Uh, look to be, uh, you know, not have to be dominant, but be physical and aggressive in defence. Obviously, being dominant would be great, but it's a trial. So, but I want to see if there's uh, any change to our defensive structures uh, with the the off season process. Um, and yeah, just seeing us take some chances. Like we might not be playing expansive football with complex structures because it's a trial, but it doesn't mean we can't see the outside backs. You know, looking to connect and create opportunities and see the forwards offloading and, and playing a bit of second phase ball so uh, that's going to be keen for me and then it's unfair to put that much burden on them but given that they've been named in the one and seven I think a lot of eyes are going to be drawn to both Talungi and Sanders and how they yeah. individually perform in this contest. Yes so it's uh, people might remember that that follow the training reports that back in December when I wrote my predicted team lists for NRL and New South Wales Cup that I named Blaze as the fullback in the New South Wales Cup team. And that's at this stage that's come to fruition. We don't need to rush Blaze. He is a very skillful, talented player. He's big, he's tough. He's got the attributes that you want to see in an NRL player. And the last thing he needs is a burden of expectation on him. I, What I'd like to see this year is him becoming 
um, I, I guess, I could say the word accustomed to being fullback, but it's a learning process, really, isn't it? It's he's he's played centre, he's played in the halves, he's had a bit of a utility role way back in the Harold Matthews Cup. Let's let him settle into fullback and learn the trade at fullback because being the custodian of the team has a lot of responsibility that comes with it. And, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be... Uh, <laughs> and just to give an idea, today the spine players of Gutho, Moses and um, Dylan Brown were helping out in the oppose that was being run. So they filled in in certain positions in the uh, the team that is the bench team that will be running on to replace the uh, starters this week. So they they pretty much had the starting 13, then they had the bench and the, um, and the, uh, the remainder of the uh, squad in the other team. And so that they could rotate players, in went the, those spine players. Gutho's out there on the wing. And I didn't notice whether it was the entire game, but I, the entire oppose, but I suspect it, it would have been. He still couldn't help yelling out his instructions to the team <laughs> and defensive instructions even from the wing. Cattle dog instinct. Even, he's even calling out what's happening on the, the far wing and edge and where players needed to be. And it's not that uh, Mo, Moses was there back there at fullback, filling in at fullback. And it's not that he wasn't doing some talking himself. It's just that this is how it's become second nature to someone who is a fullback and a specialist fullback. So they need to get that talking. And being someone, I guess, players, if it's they, they have to learn to boss people around in front of them, don't they? Yes. They have to be. They can have. They can be a young player. It doesn't matter if the bloke in front of them is a 10, 15 year veteran of the game. They can't be concerned about telling players like that where they need to be, or to move, or to hit some hit a ball up hard. Whatever they, whatever the instruction they need to do, if they're behind the play, they need to. They need to literally push people around and tell them where they need to be. So let's have Blaze go through that learning experience without too much pressure being put on him. Uh, Ethan Sanders, mate, I think he might be the first in the group to make an NRL debut this season simply because he's the next cab in the rank. In terms of depth charts, yeah, he, yeah. he is one removed. He's the two I see. In that regard, so if something were to happen to Mitchell Moses or Dylan Brown in terms of injury, suspension, or representative co-ops, depending on the time of the season, then yeah, Ethan seems to be the guy that's going to slit, slot right in, sorry. Uh, yeah, whereas someone like Blaze, uh, who is also immensely talented, um, I don't think he's too far off in an NRL debut, but uh, his is a little bit more complicated because he's in the process of learning a new role. Uh, and if he stars in that role in the New South Wales Cup, obviously that's going to expedite the process in terms of getting closer to an NRL debut. But, uh, yeah, he's he's got to juggle learning that new role alongside an opportunity coming in the back line, maybe at centre, if there's a string of injuries or suspensions in that position. Yeah, and look, Blaze has had a really, really good preseason. 
like a really good preseason. And likewise, I'm I'm tipping Ethan to be maybe that first person that gets a call up because of that. But as I said, I said about being next cab off the rank, but it's not just that. He's he looks very very composed and confident in himself in that halves role. And, uh, yeah, I really liked what I saw at training today. I think I mentioned that earlier. But, um, yeah, let's get to the tips, mate. Well, I mean, it's a bit hard to give a score here because we yeah, know, know with so many players. Who's playing what minutes? This, yeah. I mean, do we tip? Do we give a half-time tip? Yeah, I think and that's probably a fair call. Yeah, I like the idea, a half-time tip and then a full-time tip, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, look, I'm going to suggest that the Eels are up by a margin of 14 points at half-time and then it might be around about the same margin at full-time. Um, if the Eels hold on to the ball, given the relative strength of the two rosters, I could see maybe getting to 20 points on the board in the first half, but that's a, a big if on terms of completions and possession. Um, I think the margin is probably somewhere between 12 to 20 points for the Parramatta Reels, with the Raiders maybe pinching a try back in return. Um, but if the Raiders get, you know, earlier on in possession, they can put a try or two. I think when the, the balance shifts in the second half of all the second stringers coming in for the Eels, and I think the, the Raiders might end up running their starting team a little bit longer because I think that starting team is more reflective of uh, the New South Wales Cup squad, who they want to get some minutes pumped into this week. I could see the Raiders peaking back some points, uh, maybe even getting to closer to even. But I'll, I'll tip the Eels to win by about 10 points in the second half when all things are, all, everything is said and done. Okay. Uh, are you going to, rather than giving a tip for the player of the match or the best on field, whatever we want to call it, Let's say who is – we'll give our tips on who is going to be the player that draws the most focus or discussion after this match. I'll let you kick that off first, John. Uh, I think in a normal season, it would be Kalmatalangi. I think this is the sort of game we saw going back a, year, a few years now. It was against St. George, I believe, where Isaiah Papali'i really announced himself. And obviously anyone following your preseason training reports would have known – that Ice had a monster preseason, but he came out against the Dragons, I believe it was, and just was utterly dominant physically. And so Kelma Talangi, I think, can emulate that sort of debut for the club. But given the, the presence of the two rookies, uh, I'm going to, and I know there's a, a battle at centre, which will also be a talking point, but I think just the way fans are always hungry for a new star, you know, star young prospect. And the fact that the Eels have named two potential candidates there, I think a lot of the discourse will be around how the fullback and the halfback have performed. Yeah, you know what? You've just absolutely uh, crunched what I was going to be saying. Oh, I was going to draw the attention on those same three players. I think Talangi, Sanders and Tualangi will be the three players most in focus after the game with um, maybe... People being encouraged by how our Wiggins look as well, just as an aside. I, I think there's a couple of guys in the extended roster too in that reserve list that could turn a few heads if they get some playing time. Um, you know, Woods, 
uh, Charlie Gaimar, Saxon Pryke, Ethan Martin. I'd be very keen to see Ethan get a, you know, not he's not going to get a huge amount of time, but if he can get 20, 30 minutes on the wing, I'd be very keen to see what he can do. Yeah. I guess looking at that extended list, and I didn't want to put too much attention on the players there, but anyone who's seen those boys that are from the SG ball go around will know that you're talking about players of the future. And for those who are unfamiliar, well, uh, Matty Arthur Woods is, he is a, a freakish dummy half talent coming through. He's got all, he's basically got all bases covered in his, uh, in his skill set. Uh, Tony Mattaelli, we've seen him switch from edge back to middle. So I'm keen to see how he goes with a, a full preseason like that. Uh, Josh Lynn has such a great combination with uh, Ethan Sanders and Woods. So uh, they're, it, it'll be interesting to see whether they keep he and Ethan Sanders together or whether because of age that Josh Lynn drops back to the Jersey flag mm. uh, with, because uh, Dejan Arce uh, may just land the 5-8 role in New South Wales Cup and... Uh, yeah, as I said, you've you've got Josh, who's still age eligible to play Jersey Flag. Um, Charlie Geimer, people saw him in the New South Wales under twenties. Yeah, the free Ethan's had monster games, but so did Charlie. He was a yeah. very very noticeable presence out on the. I believe it was the left edge for that game. Uh, yeah, sorry, it's under nineteens. Under nineteens, yes, yeah, under nineteens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, Dan Key has been there for. I think this is his third year. With the Eels, but so. last year he was like Mister Fixit. He was he was put everywhere. He's a back rower. <laughs> he, had to play at five, he had to play five eight. He had to play centre. Yep. Uh, Saxon Pryke, you're looking at a player with an enormous motor there, an absolutely enormous motor. So he's definitely a player of the future. Zach Sini, we know he's a player that doesn't like to be tackled, so he's going to give people uh, an exciting moment or two in his minutes out there. People are always also familiar with Isaac Lumi Lumi did a good job filling in in first grade last year for a player who was on a train train and trial. He ended up being used and we've spoken about Ethan Martin uh, new to the club and he arrived partway through last year immediately created an impact and buzz about him in the Jersey flag competition and he's he's one to watch. Uh, what be interesting to see what position he gets put in when he comes onto the field in this game. So he's an outside back. He's played a bit of fullback in Jersey flag. He's played wing. Um, I guess he could be put in anywhere in the outside backs. So um, yeah, mate. I think that just about wraps things up for the preview. Yeah, uh, I mean... We've given, out, we've given our score tips. Who to, uh, who to look out for, what to look out for, yeah, and yep. just in general to enjoy it. This is a very fun team, West. Um, the only thing that could really ruin it for me, even if we have a loss, I'm not going to care, it's the injuries. Get out of this oh, game. Don't, let's, uh, mate, don't, don't, don't even mention it. Sorry. Please don't even we, mention we, it. We're going we're gonna to will it into non-existence here. So That's it. That's it. Uh, but yeah, the Eels taking on the Raiders, 5.55pm out at Cogra. The, the curtain raiser to the charity shield. It's, and I think the uh, the Eels media had the 
uh, was it the Rabbitohs playing the Roosters at one point there in the original announcement? So, yeah, it's Charity Shield, which means it's the Dragons and the Rabbitohs. Uh, I'm really fired up for this one, 60s. You can catch it on Fox Sports or KO. Um, and obviously, we'll be talking about it. Maybe we'll do an instant reaction podcast, depending on how it plays out. But if not, we'll be having a big dissection of the contest with Quint in the news podcast. And yeah, I'm just really excited. This is a fun team list. It's been a fantastic preseason. Uh, the Eels have checked a lot of boxes. They've done things differently as well. So we're going to see how all the rewards get reaped now. And here's to fingers crossed that we can actually have a home game trial match one, next year. One, I one, reckon not. One year coming. Yeah, just, just a just, reminder that we are going to the Gold Coast for the next trial. So it's not going to be a home game. That's right. So uh, once again, before we go, a uh, reminder, we're back at Paraleagues this year for the uh, instant reaction podcast after games or in some instances, some weeks, we'll be there for a preview. We will have some away game appearances this year. Also, our reminder, please vote. Please get uh, your votes in those eligible Parramatta Leagues Club members for the election for the board of directors there are two spots that need to be filled there. The more people that vote, the more representative it is of the wishes of the membership. And uh, apart from that, we always, as always, we have to thank our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead. You can get there for lots of fun in the simulated sports, be it golf, basketball, NFL, um, rugby league, rugby union, basketball, the works. So you can get down there, have fun, go with your your mates after work, your your friends, uh, birthday parties, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of fun to be had there at Big Swing Golf at Northmead, and of course, a sponsor that's been with us for such a long time, Greg and his crew at Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan, and Parramatta. Uh, really, really appreciate their support. It's been there year on year as well. So uh, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Bordy, for your fine work as always. And also, as I always say, go you mighty eels.